Wild women, welcome. This is the Femme Podcast. If you're new around here, I'm Jack, one half of the Femme Duo. Before you dive into today's episode, I want to give you a heads up. The Femme Podcast is on season number two. You're about to listen to an episode from season one, which was the Spiritual Smackdown podcast where we invited women to rise from rock bottom. So season one is all about the Spiritual Smackdown. Season two is all about rising from greatness to greatness. More on top of more on top of more. It's where we tap into everything your woman desires. The money, the sex, the wealth, the power, the pussy desires. Start here and then come join us for season two. We're waiting. It's like a little tap on the butt or a huge womp on the booty. A spiritual smackdown is the universe's way of saying, hey, you, it's time for a change. It's time to listen to your intuition. You know, that little voice you've been ignoring. It's time for something bigger, something miraculous. But before you get to experience those highs you got to shift through the lows. Oh, those lows. And those often start at rock bottom. Hey, I'm Rob. And I'm Jack. We're best friends and business partners. We life together, work together, play together. Basically all the things together. And somehow we ended up here. With a community of thousands of badass, beautiful women who want more from life than staying surface level. So we're going deep. This podcast is going to connect you with the woman who's been to rock bottom through the exact same thing that scares you the most. We'll address the fears that are keeping you stuck, the heartbreak you've never healed from, the broke ass months. Oh, I remember those. We're giving you all the resources you need to shift your life and business to rise so that you can finally start living a life you're wild about. So welcome to this space, a space to listen to those hard truths and learn from them. A space to connect with women who aren't pretending to have it all figured out. This is a space for women to finally understand and celebrate that rock bottom is often the very place to rise. So go ahead and fill your cup with coffee or wine and come get real with us as we spit our truth and get ready to rise. Welcome back to the Spiritual Smackdown podcast. Today we are starting our interview series and I could not be more excited to introduce you to our first guest because this babe was so transformational for me during my smackdown and thank god that the universe had put her in my path about eight months before my smackdown happened because i really have no idea if i would have had the courage to embark on my spiritual journey without her there and guiding me katie is such an incredible soul coach. She transitioned from being a lawyer and she now is full-time in her business as a soul coach guiding women. And one thing she did for me was always challenging me to rise. Katie, I am so stoked that you are here with us. We are so grateful to introduce you to all the women listening to Spiritual Smackdown. I'm so excited to dive in. (laughs) Katie, since the beginning of time, since Jack and I have been daydreaming and planning about this podcast, we've been like, ooh, okay, we can't wait to talk to Katie and have her address our listeners. And one thing that's been happening so much in our community lately is that women are just like circling around 
our people. We'll talk to our clients about you and what you've got going on. And then about Kath and Lori and all of these beautiful women who Jack and I have looked up to as entrepreneurs and spiritual leaders for the last few years. So it's just been so cool to build this spider web of community and network and women who all seem to be on the same path. And I just wanted to say before we start and dive into the questions and conversation piece, thank you. Thank you for being such a good, honest, and just you, you know, every day I watch you on Instagram because I love your (laughs) stories, obviously. And I'm just like, Katie just walks down the streets of Toronto, recording these stories, like doesn't give a shit when anyone's thinking and just like is sparkly as shit. You know, she just glams herself and any of the expectations that people have of spiritual women, you just break them. And I just love you for that. So I'm super excited that you're here today. And thank you for being our first interview. Thank you. So let's take people back to like the beginning of time of your spiritual journey. What did that look like for you? How did it all get started? Sure. I think that ultimately I was always super into all things that I now associate with spirituality. I was super into taking time in nature. I was super into astrology. I was really into yoga. I was really into meditation. I was really intrigued by crystals and like drumming circles and all sorts of those things. But the issue was when I was younger is that I would be really intrigued by them. And then, you know, I basically was like in the closet about it because I ultimately knew that those practices or those things that can kind of really bring you home to yourself were pretty fringe at the time. And so for a long time, I hid them, but I would still use visioning, getting really quiet and clear on what I wanted and manifestation to create what I, at the time, thought was going to be my most perfect life. So for years, I was in the spiritual closet. And then after that, what happened is that I used those tools to create a life that I thought was going to be really amazing, that I thought was going to make me really happy, that kind of checked all the boxes of everything that I wanted. Then woke up and found that that like, then like, okay, wait a second, like, what is life even about? Who am I? What is life? What is anything? And let me to, to basically dismantle my entire life at that point to rebuild it into one that felt be really authentically aligned and true for me. I feel like that spiritual closet is someplace that we have, well, most of us have been, you know, that you're like, okay, you're like kind of toe dipping in it. You're not sure if it's going to do that full deep dive in it. And obviously for you, even like when I think lawyer, I don't think so much, woo, so much spirit. For sure. And you're in it. And then part of what now I feel so, so passionate and so strongly about spirituality doesn't have a way that it looks. It doesn't have a way that it needs to dress. It doesn't have, you know, a type of activity it needs to go to. Spirituality ultimately to me is just being in the most authentic expression of who you are and feeling so connected to your life and and the universe and everything around it. But for a long time, I don't think that that idea was promoted. The idea was like, oh, in order to be spiritual, you have to do X, Y, and Z. And I would always be like, well, listen, man, I still like to wear makeup. Does that make me not spiritual? It was very confusing. And I think a lot of people get confused by that. What I love seeing become more mainstream, and I love when you casually tossed out the word fringe there earlier, like it's just your coolest lingo ever. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so true. All of this stuff was so fringe. It wasn't mainstream. And 
now that it is this more open conversation, we're able to step out of that closet. When you stopped with the lawyer gig, how did your spirituality change? How did it feel to remove yourself from that community or that environment every day? Did you get more spiritual? Did it feel freeing? Or did you really kind of reaffirm for you that, oh yeah, it has just been me all along. I just am showing up in a different way now. Yeah, I would say definitely the latter. I think that for me, leaving law was devastating. That's honestly the only word I can describe it as. It was truly devastating because in order for me to leave, I had to fully allow a part of myself essentially to die. That is the process too in spirituality is, is allowing your ego to die many, many, many times over. And so what was happening for me when I left law was you know, I knew at that point, I learned all the lessons that I needed to at least being in private practice in law. And I knew also that simultaneously, the work that I was doing with women in soul coaching and helping them on their spiritual journeys had really expanded and exploded. And so I couldn't not do that. I knew clearly that that's where the universe was taking me. However, the resistance and the difficulty was in allowing the part of myself that had been in law that had been that person who is still me to fully let her go. And there was like a deep shedding and releasing that happened in that, you know, my spiritual practices didn't change once I left law. It's always me. I'm just in different expressions of myself, but leaving law was one of the deepest things that I had to do spiritually, just because it was truly letting go of an identity that I had once had and learning to nurture myself through that, to trust myself through that to allow myself to mourn and, and navigate those feelings. It would be the same as someone, you know, dealing with the loss of a marriage or their health or whatever else. Like we're constantly, I feel like in, in our deepest spiritual work is when we're given opportunities to have to shed aspects of ourselves or our life or the way that we thought things we were, were going to be and just embrace and accept what is. That was actually my process in leaving. And, and honestly, when I left, it wasn't like the next day I felt completely the same. It was just always me all along. And I haven't actually found that I'm any different since I left law other than, you know, I just have different inspirations now or things that I'm creating or doing than I did when I was in that. Yeah. And I love to go a bit deeper into this because I think watching you transition out of law, like it wasn't just like an overnight thing. Like you had been doing soul coaching, you know, you were deep in your journey, but I think oftentimes people think, okay, if I want to embark down this path, I need to like completely close down all the other chapters before. Like I need to wake up tomorrow and just like close all those doors. And you really allowed yourself to move through this process. Yeah. Because I think that it's also, you know, nature has her own process and she's no different in what she's doing in our lives. So I remember Lindsay Sikornik, who I'm sure will be engaged with your audience too. She had said to me, at one point we were talking about the vision and we were talking about the business that I and life I'm now ultimately in. I remember she and I were talking about it and I said, you know, the, the thing that I'm feeling right now is everyone keeps telling me to quit my job and everyone keeps telling me to start this thing or start that thing. And it just doesn't feel right. And she gave this amazing wisdom at the time. She said, well, of course, trust that, you know, you birthing this new life is no different than you creating a child. And she's like, when the time for the baby to come out, the baby's going to come out. So she's like, just trust your own process. Trust that you're sort of in the, almost like the pregnancy of my new life and to not push the baby out before it was time, basically. So for me, 
my process was long because I also just, yeah, I let nature do its thing. And it, for me, ended up just being a really, really long process versus for other people, I think their process is slower. But I think also a lot of people jump too quickly and then ultimately fail. They're trying to like fight with nature almost in that sense. So one thing that I actually had a spiritual healer tell me one time, because I can just relate to that so much, because I always have my hands in like eight different pots. And part of me is like, oh, man, I'm super unfocused. I need to get my energy behind one thing that I'm doing and focus my creativity and create space. And one thing someone said to me once was, you don't need to do one thing. You know, you don't need to just focus on one thing in time. You will naturally understand where you're meant to go, where your direction is. And I know that for me, the same way Lindsay was for you, this spiritual healer and teacher was, it just gave me so much ease, you know, like, oh, I don't actually need to make the decision right now. I can actually just move through this, see how it feels, feel it out. Where am I being tugged? Where am I being pulled? And one thing that you said earlier that I just loved so much was that you felt resistance facing who you are like now in this moment versus who you're becoming. So it's almost like, okay, you're dating this guy, you know, and just to give people an example of what that feels like in your body, but you're like dating this guy and you're like, okay, I kind of know you're not the one. I know I'm not going to marry you, but I also know you're teaching me something right now. Or you're like showing up for me. You bring me pleasure. We have fun together. Sure, I'm not going to marry you and we're not going to have kids, but this is like serving me in different ways right now. So I just love that because it is something that we all have to go through eventually if we're ready to rise, right? If we're ready to bloom and if we're really ready to grow. Yeah. I think just if we're trying to skirt the process and not in the process, we can miss some of the lessons that we're ultimately supposed to learn. So even for me, I now think in law, it's part of it. You know, I really like, I loved law and there was so much that I learned out of it. And even now, I mean, aside from the confidence that I have when it comes to reading and writing, but it's also just little things. In law, I was just really junior and had to deal with a lot of senior lawyers. So now it makes me really comfortable to work with clients who are much older than I am. You know, there's so many lessons where we're at that, you know, we can only really see in retrospect and just to really trust that. I also feel like there's such a misconception for people too, that there aren't any lessons sort of in what is deemed to be a bit more conventional of the path. I think that sometimes people are like, oh, it's one or the other. So if you're in a nine to five job or a more conventional path that you're not learning lessons there, that you're somehow stalling your process. And I feel like, that's just such a um, misconception. Well, and even that word right there for me, like when I think of you, I think of the word process. I don't know how many times that I message you that you are like process, process, process. You can't get to where you're wanting to go without diving deep into where you're currently at. Totally. There's because that's the thing like that is the real work. I'm also just like such a junkie for that stuff too, right? I'm like, ooh, interesting. What am I learning here? Like, what is this about? And I get just it's just so curious because there's always so many lessons and learnings. And I feel like the universe is only going to continue to give us the same lessons until we fully learn them. So I'm like, well, why not just take it as it comes, fully process it, fully integrate it. And then, you know, you're done with it. Then you can move on to some new, awesome other lesson. Because they're always showing up. <laughs> they're always showing up. Something interesting you said earlier. And I mean, this really stuck out to me because I just read it on Instagram somewhere. 
someone else posted about this, but they were talking about the death of the ego. And I know we all, you know, have this internal struggle kind of going on with our ego all the time. Like, wait, is that my heart center? Is it my ego? Am I playing small? Is this my truth? And I have an interesting question for you, actually, because the way this woman phrased it, talking about the death of the ego, and then she was like, oh, yeah, guys, like, there's still about 20% of my, like, big ego that's still alive. And she addressed how we have to go back time and time again to identify like, is this my ego? Is this my truth? Is this my soul? Where is this really coming from? And my question for you is, through all of your soul work, through the law years and the every year, all the seasons of your life, how much of your ego do you think is still alive? Hmm. I would say yeah, probably 20%. Because I think that it's always going to be there because the way that I truly believe it is that we're just channels here, right? Like there is no Katie, there is no personality, like there is no me. In its purest sense, we are just literally channels. Katie is a construct, the fact that someone named me that the experiences that I've had that that I created as a person like that actually isn't, it doesn't exist. I'm no different than a tree at its deepest spiritual truth. But the personality is always going to be there. I'm always going to have a brain that pipes in with thoughts. And my personal belief is that any thought that I'm usually thinking is ego, unless it's pure intuition. You need that basically to like function in the human world, in my opinion, because I've had those moments where I've had crazy awakenings where I'm in the jungles of Costa Rica, really believing that I'm like one with the trees. And then I was like, holy shit, now I have to come back to society and be around. I think our whole lives will always have a degree of that ego because I think there's always going to be some type of mental commentary that's happening. And in my opinion, most of our mental commentary is just coming from, from ego, from personality, but there are just like different levels of it. Yeah. I think that's such a relief probably for so many of the women listening. Like, oh, you mean like I don't actually have to defeat my ego? It's not my goal to get my life to a point where I can answer that question and be like, oh, oh no, I have 0% ego. Thank you very much. I am an oak tree, you know, like, mm, right. yeah, well, in this life, you're actually not an oak tree, you know, like <laughs> right. you, you do exist among humans. And I think that's such a relief for people is like your ego will always be there and your job is to learn to identify it and live with it in peace and harmony. And what's your take on that? Like, how do you become BFFs with that remaining 20% of your ego? Yeah, I think that it's true because that's the thing you just want to be besties with it. So I just find that the best way is number one, to have this framework of just remembering that whoever you are, which is ultimately a collection of all these things that make you you. And you could collectively call that your ego too. And to know that in that sense, there's beauty in that. You're like, that's so interesting that I've chosen to be this person that's had these experiences, that speaks in this way, that has these interests. Sometimes I just find that befriending the ego is also just about looking at the aspects of you that do make you you, knowing that deep down that's actually your ego, but still enjoying that, like loving that, loving the things about you that make you who you really are and the experiences that you've had, because there's reasons why you have them. And there's reasons why your mind thinks in a certain way or has different commentaries. So that's part of it is using the ego actually as this interesting friend of like, oh, wow, that's so interesting that this happens. And I think about it in this way or whatever else. So that's one part of it. And the other thing too, that I just find fun is, you know, I just 
sort of live my life in this full state of surrender, meaning that life just unfolds, opportunities come, I say yes to them. And then I just watch every time my ego jumps in. It's always like, wait, what, this? What do you mean? We're going this way? Or, you know, and then I just find it funny because every day life is bringing me new experience. And I'm just the soul part of me, the truth part of me is just accepting it, breathing it in, inviting it in. But I just love hearing what the ego had to say because the ego loves to create stories. Then it's just entertaining. Then you get to be like, that's so interesting that that's where my mind is going on about this right now. Like, I don't know. I think it's just being curious about it, being like, that's interesting. Look at you, mind, coming up with this mental commentary. Fascinating. Look at you, mind. Who are you? I'd love to rewind back to talking about surrender because I know you like deeply embody the process or the or surrendering. And I think this is a word and a thought that a lot of people find really difficult. Can you expand on on what that means to you? What is surrendering? Sure. Surrendering to me is ultimately fully surrendering to whatever plan the universe has for you, trusting that it's the one that's for your highest good and the highest good of all beings, that it often not what your mind thinks that it is. So the idea of surrender is that you would choose to believe that every situation that arises in your life is for your highest good and for your highest growth. And it also means that you choose to let go of all your plans and all of your control of every aspect of your life and instead choose to say yes and show up with openness and curiosity to everything that unfolds. I find that the issue, though, of why people really struggle with surrender as a bigger theme is because we're designed to control. We're designed to feel safe when we have things under control, when we have a clear vision, when we're working toward it, when we're controlling how we're being perceived, the things that we're saying, the opportunities that are coming to us. Like that's kind of the shadow side, I think, to the manifestation process or the secret or, you know, whatever else is that people then think that they control everything in their lives. And so the idea is that in surrender, you have to give up all control of everything about your life, but then trusting that in surrendering and just saying yes to what is and keeping yourself happy each day, that the universe is actually laying out a plan for you that is far greater and far more magical and far more expansive than anything that you could have come up with in trying to control and plan it. Uh, you know how much I love this. And part of this podcast, we're really wanting to give women like really share our truths and our stories with them so that they can identify with it in their own journey. Can you share with us like an experience that you've had where you've deeply surrendered? Sure. Well, at the beginning of 2017, when I was like, you know what, I had had these like sort of crazy spiritual experiences. And I felt in my bones that surrender was that is actually how we should be living. And so I was ready. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna fully surrender from now on. And so then I just, I started, and the first thing that happened um, when I decided that I was going to fully surrender is I was like, okay, I'm going to just say yes to whatever opportunities come, any intuitive call or intuitive nudge that I get, I'm going to follow through on. So at the time I was like, I had an intuitive nudge that I really wanted to start sharing my message on TV. It was really clear. It was like, that is the next move for you. I'm making these videos, everything else had been flowing in my business. I'm like, I'm supposed to be on TV. And so I kept getting these visions. So I'm like, okay, what's the rational next step here? Let me reach out to a friend who works in TV. 
And so then that was where a friend of mine said, oh, okay, well, this is the process for you to get on TV to these different shows, or we just got an internal memo that they're casting for The Bachelor right now. I think that you should apply. So then that was surrender, <laughs> surrender step number one of me being like, okay, I guess someone suggested something to me. The true idea of surrender is that people suggest things to you. And unless it's an absolute no in your body, you just say yes. So that was first step of surrender experiment was saying yes to that. Then when I got on the show saying yes to being on it, then there were like so many deeper levels of surrender that came beyond that and watching it back and not knowing where it was leading or why I was called to do that experience, but to trusting that there was a reason for it. And my surrender experiment in month one, year one, led me to be on reality TV on a dating show. Like it couldn't have been further from what my mind would have ever planned or wanted for myself <laughs> but that's kind of like how it goes my mantra at that time was my mind does not know shit so I just kept being like okay well like I have no idea why I'm being led to this experience but I am for a reason so I'm just gonna go and that's what happened my mind is not no shit literally love it because it doesn't I was like okay well this is the thing like every single time even when I was leaving law, I'm like, my mind's like, oh, but we love it here. Like, this is so cushy and so comfy. I'm like, hey, listen, mind. It's the same eco talk. I'm like, you don't know anything. So thank you for your thoughts. But we're just going to keep on flowing with what's happening. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Your mind doesn't know shit. I just re I repeat that to myself all the time. And this is why I love you. This is why I love you. <laughs> so then during that time when you were called to surrender, what were some of your practices? What were the tools that you were able to utilize and implement to carry with you through that journey? One of them was every day <laughs> trying to just, same thing, what am I learning here? Okay, that's interesting because I think that when we're led to an experience, we have to just trust that there's reason for it. And so every day I was using it as like this real life experience curriculum of, okay, well, what am I learning here? Maybe one day it was like, I'm learning how to deal with this person who is driving me crazy and I have no choice but to be stuck in a tiny room with them. Some days it was like, wow, I don't have any space to myself. I'm learning how to create that even when there are people around me. Sometimes it was, you know, wow, I'm really feeling my heart open up that's curious. That's what I'm learning today. So that was part of it is definitely having a curious mind each day to the experience, like really being almost very childlike, because that's the beauty of surrender. Then you're kind of like a child every day showing up being like, what are we doing today? Like, what do you have in store for me today? So that was part of it. And then meditation for sure, always helps me yoga always helps me just keep myself in my body and stay grounded within that. Those are two that were really helpful as well. And the only thing that was really difficult in that experience is, is that one of my favorite and most powerful tools is to really dial in my mind and any chatter or commentary or whatever through journaling. And we didn't have that there. We weren't allowed to read or write. And so that for me was ultimately just super difficult. So as a result, I had to do more embodiment work of allowing myself, instead of processing information, processing feelings through writing, I had to learn how to truly, in a much deeper way than I ever had before, like process feelings in my body, in the moment, instead of avoiding them in any way with any of the things that I would usually do to temper them or make it a little bit easier. So 
those were the three things. Like I had a much deeper practice when I was there of just sitting in meditation longer and like putting my hands on my body and thinking, okay, what am I feeling in my body right now? What is this feeling? Where does it live in my body? What's that about? And getting a lot more curious about it. So those were some of the practices there. And I think just trusting that there was a reason that I was there and being curious about that eventually it would show me what, you know, the bigger lesson was in all of it. But it was hard because the lesson didn't really reveal itself until several months or years later. I have so many questions just from those like 30 <laughs> seconds of conversation. Okay, number one, as a fellow journaler, I just, this isn't necessarily a question, but I feel so deeply for the Katie who was on The Bachelor, feeling all of the feels, you know, obviously falling for a man who can't write it out, who can't keep track of emotions. And, you know, I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm like, God, like, what would I do without my journal? I know. <laughs> I would be like so lost without her. But it's so interesting because these pieces that become so a part of us and here I am, I've been in Ontario for two weeks. I just got, I was in Bali for two weeks. I was in Europe for two weeks, which obviously I'm so thankful for those opportunities. But my work is also a life force for me. I love working. I love writing. I love having time for that creative. And without it, I've been like suffering just a little bit. And I've had to also sink into that surrender and be like, okay, you're here for a reason. Like, what did you come here for? How can you learn from this day? And I just love that practice of, okay, we all wake up and have our routines. We all wake up to our kiddos or go to work or go to yoga or have our green juice. But what happens and what do you fall back on when the carpet gets pulled from under you and shit gets crazy or you're on national TV and you don't have your normal situation to just keep you afloat. And in a way, I don't know, tell me what you think about this, but do you feel like The Bachelor in a way was a spiritual smackdown for you? Totally. Because it was like, here, Katie, let me take away every single thing that you use to basically keep you centered. So let me take away your friends and family, the soul sisters that you can call when you're navigating something difficult. Let me take away the yoga class that you go to when you need to sweat through your body. Let me take away actually, in fact, your yoga mat so that if you want to do yoga, you can only do it in like, you know, tiny cement blocks oh that you find God. like when it's rigging jail cell. Let me take away your journal. Let me take away the spiritual texts that give you guidance. Let me take away, you know, your meditation cushion so that if you meditate, you have to do so in a way that you just have to figure out is comfortable. Like in the whole bachelor experience to me in so many ways, aside from just being in it, yeah, like that, and having all the things that I look to, to center me to find connection with myself and my soul in the universe were were taken away and so in that sense it was this deeply spiritual experience for me it was like what people do when they're at an ashram it's like let me take away all these things and just force you to just be with yourself and be in isolation and when that happened what was revealed to me were again like whole new layers of my ego wanting control and being like, oh, yeah, I can stay in connection to myself. If you allow me to meditate and journal every day at the same time, if you allow me to go to my yoga class, if you allow me to like, 
talk to my soul sisters anytime I get out of alignment. And the universe was like, that's so cute. Here's the next <laughs> level for you. Can you do this when it is just you? And I was like, I don't know, man. Oh my God. The universe is like, oh, you're so cute over there with your journal and you're like pretty pink Lulu yoga mat. And you're just like, yeah, aren't I cute? Right? I'm good. Right? Okay. The, uh, my other favorite thing is that you just compared being on live reality TV on The Bachelor, no less, to going to an ashram. But it's so true. As we're sitting here talking, I'm like, oh my God, all that's going through my mind is like, holy shit, how can I make my everyday with a toddler and a baby and two jobs and blah, blah, blah. How can I make my everyday feel like an ashram? If Katie can do it on reality TV, then I sure as hell, I can do it. And all we have to do is get uncomfortable. Totally. And even just like see what happens when you sort of like take away one of your practices because the practices are there ultimately for sure to help us. But it's like with anything, the second that we get too attached to one thing, then we suffer. And so even to practice it with people, it's like maybe you're used to, I've been really obsessed with embodiment lately and a lot of like the working through things physically. And so you take people who are used to working you know, for me, I like, I love to run. I love hit. I love intense vinyasa practices. So for me, the work is, well, wait a second. What happens when I take away that release? When I, instead of me running through or moving through what it is that I'm processing, like what if instead I force myself to sit and sit with it and sit with the intensity of those feelings or you take away the journaling, you know, whatever the thing is for you, that's how you can push yourself in your day to day to get uncomfortable, even when anything else is seemingly the same as, you know, life is just unfolding. It's cool. It's really interesting. The second where you see yourself noticing that you're clinging to a practice, then the, the juicy work would be like, oh, let me see what happens when I take this away. Can I maintain my center then? And you'll probably find no. And then that's, that's the growth beyond it. It's like, oh, now interesting. How do I now stay centered here? Okay. So really cool thing. You currently are a guest on the Spiritual Smackdown podcast, and you just helped me identify in the last two months of travel that I am legit in the middle of a spiritual smackdown that's like, yeah, you identify yourself so much through your work, but what happens when you remove yourself from that or what happens when you don't have access to it? And Jack knows this too, but I have not been showing up as my best self, which is so interesting. So now when we're done this conversation, you just gave me something to dive into. So thank you. Yes. Juicy work right there. That's exactly it. Though. Totally. And you think like, no, my work is my service. No, this is like a good thing. It's just, I just miss my routine. I just miss this. Like, no girl, you have an attachment issue. You need to be able to work your shit out. Jack, I have a question for you, even though Katie is the lady we're interviewing, but what would be one practice that you would remove right now? Oh, the practice that I would remove to make myself uncomfortable? Which is the one that you're most like, oh my God. Yeah. And not like, ooh, that's kind of like Katie said, oh, not like, oh, that's cute girl. Like, oh yeah, you'll skip yoga. But like, oh God. Yeah. Ugh, that's tough. Oh, like I don't want to say it because then I'm like, do I actually have to do it? <laughs> you, you don't, but it's just an interesting conversation. And like we were talking about this earlier, but this is part of the practice, identifying the things that feel so comfortable that they become part of us. And then when they are removed, then we get super uncomfortable. We don't know how to deal with it. 
A hundred percent. And this is going to be so interesting what you guys think when I say it. But for me, it would definitely be taking away my meditation practice because I am just like embodying it so much right now. I get so much clarity. I can feel this energy like moving through my body. And it's like, Katie, you know, when I was like in the midst of my smackdown, I turned to you because I didn't even know how to meditate before. I couldn't sit in three minutes of meditation. And now I mean, I can meditate while I'm doing the dishes and my kids are in the background, you know? Yeah, I think just really finding time and space to meditate is like my biggest thing. And it would definitely be a challenge and make me super uncomfortable to give that up. I love that. I love that you know, we're giving each other the opportunity to say, A, okay, it's all right when life gets uncomfortable. And also, if we do go a little bit beyond that, actually, how can you encourage yourself to get a little bit uncomfortable? Because just like Katie's experience on The Bachelor, when we get uncomfortable is when we really welcome I mean, I'm going to call it like superior presence. If you have no tools, if you have no meditation or God to turn to, if you have no journal to write it out, if you have no yoga mat, the only person left is you. It is your 20% ego. It is the energy in your body. It's the questions that you have to answer. A lot of us, we become experts in deferring that. Mm -hmm. Totally. That to me is the, the juiciest part of it. And that's a a thing that I've noticed that the tools are there to support us at the beginning. And they're meant to continue to be there for us. But the idea becomes, yeah, when we're putting too much stock in any other thing other than just our own connection to self and our own direct dial connection to the universe, we're like still wearing water wings, sort of. And the beauty comes from when you surrender all of that, then it's like, like you say, it's just a new level of presence. It's a new level of trust. It's a new level of peace, basically, and tranquility. But it's hard. It's really hard. I'm so personally intrigued. And I love a challenge. I love training for things. I love it. So now I'm like, oh, man, okay. I'm up for this, you know, I am up for letting things go. I'm up for the challenge. So I'm, I'm really excited. Thank you. Excited for you. It's okay to stop clinging. And beyond that, it's even better to dive into what that's actually teaching Mm -hmm. you. So yeah. And Katie, one thing I love that you shared just before we actually got on that you shared on IG is really using spiritual smackdowns as a catalyst for growth. Yeah, like just reading that was so powerful for me. And I was just like, yeah, 100%. Like this is what we're here talking about, how to rise when you're in the smackdown, when it's you're in that area of darkness, when you don't even know what lays on the other side. How do you use that time for growth? Well, I think that what happens in a spiritual smackdown ultimately is that our life or our sense of self gets uprooted. And the idea becomes that in that uprooting, I now call it the smoke your world has kind of been flipped upside down for whatever reason. And there is a period of time before the clarity comes where you're just in the smoke and your job, when you're in that smoke and you literally like can't, you can't understand really where it's happening. You can't understand what's going to happen on the other side of it. You have no choice just to like literally be where your feet are. And in that you're given an opportunity. I find anytime we have a spiritual smackdown, Number one, deepen your spiritual practice because like spiritual smackdowns are times of radical faith and we get each new level, each new smackdown, I believe, is just leading us to cultivate deeper and deeper and deeper faith. 
And so in those times, part of the work is like, oh, can you deepen your meditation practice? Can you deepen your connection to the universe and to this perspective that this is all happening for you? Can you look at it with curiosity of why this is happening for you and not to you? I think that that's one of the biggest things to stay rooted in with it, with the growth opportunity is like, okay, I've been uprooted because again, what we talked about, because your mind had an idea of the way that your life was supposed to be. And then all of a sudden, the universe is like, that's so cute that you thought that you get to choose the way that your life unfolds and then give you this background <laughs> so that you have an opportunity to let go of that control. And in that, you have to be like, okay, I'm giving up control here. I'm giving up this piece of my mind that thought that my life was going to look this way or feel this way or whatever. And as a result, can I in that space now be almost like a humble student of like, okay, universe, what are you teaching me here? Where are you leading me to? What is this all about? Yeah. And I love this idea of being in the smoke. I think that when we're in it, we're just like, oh, we want to find that lesson. We want it to be apparent right away. But sometimes that lesson isn't so apparent. Like sometimes it comes down the road. And like you said, even through your experience on The Bachelor and through that smackdown, that it wasn't apparent to you for months afterwards. Oh my God. Like even now, it's been two years since that happened. And now I understand it, but it took me a really long time to understand it. And I like, I know that there are more pieces to why that happened that all see the fruition of in years to come that I still haven't fully but it was that was difficult in and of itself because again with the stupid attachment as always I was so used to getting my lessons so fast and all of a sudden in this one I was like man I have no idea why I was led to that experience you know I understood the lessons that I learned from it but I was like that was ultimately really painful like the only thing that came out of that was difficulty and struggle, but it was, you know, ultimately growth. And I could see that, but there was a, a much higher picture of what was happening that I only fully understood the effects of sort of in the last few months, honestly. Okay. So two years later, looking back, can you share that with us? What were some of those deeper lessons that are now coming to fruition for you? The ones that I got in the first year were the ones that were personal. I understood that I had to let go of, if I was to be a teacher and I'm supposed to guide others, the thing is that I need to, to let go of the way that I'm perceived because that's still ego. The Bachelor was a really amazing opportunity in that lesson of letting go of the need to be liked, of the need to be understood, of the need to like be perceived in a certain way or for people to like understand who I am and what I'm about because the people who are meant to connect with me are going to connect with me and the people who are not meant to understand or like me are just not. And so that was like on the grandest scale because you have like full-blown internet trolls when you're on reality TV. So that was a beautiful lesson. The other lesson like we talked about is getting rid of my the tools and the practices that I'd become a little too attached to. That was a beautiful lesson. And the third lesson was just about like, could I be my most authentic self? And for that to be more important than anyone else understanding who I was or what I was doing or whatever else. You know, I watched it back and while I wouldn't have edited it, the way that they did, I'm like, well, I can't deny that that's me. <laughs> like that, that actually is just the person that I am. And so it was a good lesson in just me owning in a deeper way than I had even before who I am. So those were the lessons that I got out of it, which were good lessons for me on a personal level. The lessons that then have now come out two years later are more just like, because I trusted honestly that spirit had put me on The Bachelor because I was meant to impact the lives of the women who are watching that show, the women whose lives were meant to be impacted by me. But the interesting thing to me is that immediately after the show, 
sure there were people that like supported me and it was great and I made all these connections. What I'm now seeing and I find it so fascinating is that two years later, I'll have women reaching out to me being like, hey, I saw you on The Bachelor two, three years ago now. And now I had this thought pop into my head that like I needed to see what you were up to or want to come work with me now in coaching. And it's almost like all of these tiny seeds were planted so that at the moment that those women woke up, they know that I'm their teacher. It's fascinating to me because it's, it was only two years later. Like I have more clients now coming out of The Bachelor two years after the fact than I did immediately after the show. And that to me is fascinating. Or like I look at opportunities that I'm getting now that came from someone who watched the show two years ago who now had this thought today to reach out. You know, it's like that's the interesting thing. Is that that actually was happening? Like I was meant to connect with those women, but I had to let go of the timeline of it. That those women now, I don't know, are all of a sudden they have a thought like, oh, now I should reach out to Katie. It's It's been really interesting. Well, and so many things come from that. Okay, I'm, I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking of the thousands of women that are listening to this podcast and the things they're going through, right? Because that's kind of how my mind works. And I'm like, okay, so the woman who's going through a nasty divorce or the woman who is in the midst of quitting her job or transitioning and she's just still in the pain of it, you know, still in the midst of that smackdown where she's like, okay, I understand this is happening, but I have no idea what this is going to lead me to. And right now I just feel heartbroken. I just feel like I got beat up or abused or dumped and I'm broke and I've got nothing. And then five years later, they meet their dream man. Or five years later, they've gone back to school and get a promotion, like the job of their dreams. Or five years later, and all of a sudden, they're living in California, staring at the ocean every day. And what I think is so powerful about you being in your SmackDown and like even coming out of your SmackDown still hurt. I think this is so important for people is like, I mean, I'm a perfect example of this. My mom died 21 years ago. And like, I'm feeling the depths of that grief the most today. And it's 21 years later. And I think understanding that our SmackDowns come and they don't necessarily end. It's not like, okay, you learned this hard thing and you got past it. And yep, you even integrated it and you saw all the hard things and you dealt with them. But still two years, five years, eight years, 21 years later, that lesson or that smackdown that you endured because you're a strong ass bitch and you're still standing, that lesson still shows up and says, hey, I'm still teaching you and you are still a student. Yeah, that's why I think they're the most massive catalyst because there's so many layers to them. That is the truth of a smackdown. If, if you're in it, they're painful. They're not easy. Like there's nothing fun about it, which is why a lot of people choose not to play the game and they choose to instead get into victim mode or they choose to like, you know, instead of sitting with what's uncomfortable, they choose to find a new partner to like try and fill that void or whatever it is. Like they try and find something to fill it versus the idea is like, you could go one way or the other, but if you choose to be like, you know what, I'm going to warrior goddess through this and I'm going to sit with this and I'm going to trust that it is teaching me and it is buffing me and it is teaching me all sorts of amazing things and I'm going to be in the work of that and to know that those lessons like you say might pop up, you know, several different times over several different years. 
that that's the beauty though, because every time it's teaching you more and it's unbounding you more and more. And all of it is peeling back the layers to your true core, which is to be love and to be open and to be at peace no matter what has happened. And so we learn lessons like forgiveness and grace and trust and release. Like we have to learn all of that in order to get to a place that we can be just truly unconditionally loving. I have one question just staying on that topic. So the women who are out there listening and they're in the depths, just listening to us being like envious of being on the other side or envious of the awareness or mindfulness that we have of these lessons, because I've been that woman, you know, but how do you see the light right now? How do you know it's going to get better? And there's words that you've said throughout this convo that have really stuck out to me are faith. This is really calling you to deepen your faith. And another one is when you were on The Bachelor, you talked about really feeling your heart open. And I think of the women listening who are like, I want to have faith, but I don't know where to find it. Or how do I know if my heart is opening? And what does that feel like in my body? And, you know, my question for you is the woman that, you know, wants to be where you are now. What's your advice for her? The first thing would be to create a daily conversation with the universe, spirit, your soul, whatever you want to call it, your inner guide, your heart. And the way that you do that is simply by, you could say, universe, use me today. Show me where to go, what to do, what to say. Help me to show how loved and supported I am today. And whether you say that out loud or you write it or you have it as an affirmation that you read back, the first thing I think to cultivate faith is to create a relationship with the universe, with this higher power of whatever understanding that you have that is supporting and guiding you. So the first thing would be to open up that dialogue. And you could just say like, okay, universe, I'm ready for you. Show me yourself. (laughs) Show me your presence. Show me the connection. Show me what to do next help me to be guided. Because my life changed radically in one of my biggest awakenings at that time where I just decided, you know, I'm feeling so terrible. It was on the end of a really bad breakup. And it was in that moment that I just decided I was curious. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try this thing. Universe, show up for me. I'm ready to create, you know, I'm ready to begin a deeper relationship with you. And it was through that, that then I started to hear my inner voice or my intuition speak a little bit louder with, I call them like nudge, nudge, tug, tugs. And that's how it first started. It'd be like, nudge, nudge, you should reach out to this person. Tug, tug, maybe read this book. And so that would be the first thing is to declare that intention that you want to have more of a connection or conversation with the universe or whatever else. And then from there, each day, follow whatever nudges you're getting or tugs you're getting. We all, especially as women, are pretty connected to what are those, you know, that nudge, nudge or tug, tug kind of feeling. So that'd be the first thing. And the second thing is that, When you're going through this space, basically, and you're trying to cultivate faith or whatever else, the other thing is just to make sure that you create a space of gentleness and compassion for yourself. And so the other thing is just if you don't meditate yet, like that's always where I start with people. Like just find five minutes in a day where you can just sit and breathe and be with yourself because if not, you're going to get swept up in the tidal wave of whatever's happening in your life right now. And if you can just start to like, It's like if you imagine a a glass with all this dirt in it and the dirt's like swirling around everywhere and you can't see 
you, know, you can't see the water, but all of a sudden, if you just like get the glass to stop stirring, basically, then eventually some of that dirt starts to go to the bottom and you can gain clarity again. And I think that that's, you know, one of the most profound things that you can do when you're first getting started is give yourself five minutes just to sit and breathe and be and start to hear yourself. I absolutely love both of those and following those nudge nudges. And I mean, this podcast is for the wild woman who's ready to rise. So she is ready to get uncomfortable. Katie, obviously, we love you. And we're so happy that you came on with us. Where can people find you? Like, well, people can find me on my website, which is katiefen.com or on Instagram, which is also katiefen with a C. The things that I have upcoming are I have a bunch of retreats coming up for the second half of the year. So I went in Costa Rica and in Muskoka and also potentially Tulum. So there are a bunch of information about that on my site. Otherwise, for every woman who's at a different stage of their journey, I basically have created different programs that are for that. So one is for a woman who just wants to start her spiritual journey. There's something called Soul School. For a woman who's lost her light and her confidence and her vibrancy, there's something called Six Weeks to Shine. And if someone's in the depths of sort of their transition, that's typically where I work with people one-on-one. And so that is what I have on the go right now are those kind of ongoing offerings for women at whatever stage of their journey they're on. Amazing. Katie, I just love you so much. I wish I could spend time with you and hang out with you. For any woman out there who is looking for a soul sister to just awaken their sparkle and really show them how they can embody the spirit side and not give up who they are, please go check Katie out because I mean, the first moment I met Katie, I just felt so at home with her. And I know you will, too. So, Katie, thanks so much for spending time with us. And it was such a treat for us to get to chat with you, too. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. There really is nothing better than bringing a group of grown-ass women together. So go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and come get real with us every week as we spit our truths and get ready to rise. And if you know other women down to get real, please do us a favor and share this episode on the socials. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at ForTheWildFemme so we can give you a shout out. Instagram is definitely our favorite place to hang. So come join the combo there and we'll see you back here each and every Thursday. Thank you so much for being here. Get ready to rise.